Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us as we wrap up the week. Certainly plenty to talk about. What a week this has been. Coming up on today's show, the first vice president of the National Corn Growers Association, Kevin Ross, will join us. His thoughts on the Japan trade deal, plus uh, the ongoing um, talks over USMCA and China. And we'll get his thoughts on the RFFs and uh, waiting for that announcement from the White House and what's going on with the ethanol industry right now. Maria Zeba with the National Pork Producers Council will join us to give a a pork industry reaction to the U.S.-Japan trade deal. Seems to be very good news for U.S. pork producers. We'll get the details. Then we'll talk some markets and harvest uh, numbers from Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. All that coming up on today's program. But let's start things off with uh, a visit with Todd Neely from DTN. Hi, Todd. Uh, Plenty going on these days. Well, maybe we don't have Todd. Are you with us, Todd? Well, we'll try to reconnect with Todd and uh, hopefully get him on to uh, talk about some of the uh, issues of the day. One of the things we certainly want to bring up, uh, news coming out uh, yesterday from USDA that farmers who could not plant a crop this year because of flooding or too much moisture or other non-drought-related reasons will now receive extra assistance from the federal crop insurance program. Growers will get what's called a top-up on their so-called prevented plant claims of either 10 or 15 percent. Bill Northey, USDA Undersecretary for Farm Production and Conservation, said we're doing everything we can to ensure producers receive the help that they need. So uh, that word coming out yesterday. And uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that. That could be a a good boost for uh, a lot of farmers this year in the ongoing challenges of 2019. Let's try again to see if we have Todd Neely from DTN. Todd, are you there now? I am, Mike. Hey, good to have you on with us. I was just talking about this this boost, this uh, top-up on prevented plant claims this year. That uh, could be a good boost for some producers this year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you're talking about 15% and 10% on some of these uh, crop insurance uh, programs, I think, uh, you know, I think the one thing that we look at with this is that, you know, any little bit that we can get at this point uh, for farmers, any additional help is good. And so this was, this was not only welcome, but a little surprising. I guess I didn't really see it coming. Probably makes some farmers who maybe mudded in a crop wonder if they'd have been better off not to have done that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, ten or fifteen percent is is nothing uh, nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, I think when you look at uh, you know whether we was a lot of concern about getting a crop in, and you know we saw a lot of people walk away uh, from a lot of acres uh, because of all the weather situation. And uh, you know, I don't know on the on the margins whether ten or fifteen percent might have saved a crop in particular, but I think uh, yeah, it definitely you know had a farmers understood that those payments uh, might be coming, you know, those percentages raised. I think maybe you know a few minds might have been changed. Yeah, because the feeling seemed to be you needed to plant in order to get some aid, and uh, maybe they'd have got more aid not planting. Absolutely, yeah. 
So that's one of those that uh, will be discussed, I think, for some time uh, to come. Well, let's uh, take a look at some of the other issues, of course. Uh, the good news this week, and in a week that's hard to find good news, we got some with the U.S.-Japan trade deal. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Mike, and when you look at what it does for pork and what it does for soybeans going forward, I think, like you said, we, we can use any bit of good information or good news at this point. And I think uh, I think all along people expected that, uh, you know, Japan and U.S. would get together on this. Uh, you know, since U.S. backed out of the TPP, a while back, um, you know, it left a lot, it left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths about, um, you know, the importance of trade with with Japan and, uh, you know, the you know the inability to, to seal a deal on that. But this definitely seems to uh, kind of close the gap on, on what the U.S. lost in, in TPP. And I think, uh, you know, hopefully going forward, this will be kind of uh, kind of a good first step in some other trade agreements coming through. You know, the big question now with what's going on with the impeachment uh, situation, does that keep other things from getting done? And from an ag standpoint, USMCA and an RFS package, or does this kind of, you know, put more uh, push behind some of those things to to get something done? Now, Nancy Pelosi has said that she feels they're still on track to get a yes vote on USMCA, um, and we'll see what the president, maybe he feels like, now more than ever, he needs to get something done on the RFS. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, from what we're hearing, the president has turned the biofuels issue over to Larry Kudlow, his uh, chief economic advisor. Um, and supposedly he's going to be crafting the deal, uh, whatever that deal may be. Uh, haven't heard anything on the timing of it or whether, you know, it's even going to be this year at this point. It's just kind of up in the air. But, um, yeah, I think... Uh, you know, I think it's safe to say the White House can probably walk and chew gum at the same time on some of this stuff. And, um, you know, especially USMCA, I think uh, when you look at the whole situation with impeachment and all these things that, that we're dealing with, um, I think USMCA still remains a very bipartisan subject at, at, at this point. And so I think that probably will get done. But the biofuels package, uh, you know, kind of still a wait and see. But it, it seems that the White House is still working on that. This will have so many twists and turns, it's hard to predict. But I know, you know, you look at the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, he came out and uh, got on House Democrats saying that uh, they need to get this done now. The time for excuses is over. As you said, it, it seems to have some bipartisan support. I would think at some point uh, House Democrats would want to show that they can do more than investigate. Here's a chance to legislate, actually get something done. Yeah, this is huge. Um, you know, not just with agriculture, but other you know, other facets, you know, of, of trade between these three countries. You know, it's just, it's just not an ag issue, and I think that's probably why I think we're going to see uh, the House get something done. Uh, then again, it, it's hard to say. I mean, we're kind of in flux as to what's going to happen with impeachment hearings and all these, all these unknowns. And so uh, you would hope that this isn't forgotten because this is really something that, uh, agriculture has been pointing to to get this done, and it would really be a shame if it didn't. Yeah, it's hard to predict. I mean, there is there's so much unknown here. Every day brings new twists and turns, and you just don't know uh, where this might lead and uh, how it how much it can consume everything that goes on in Washington. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, you're right. These kinds of uh, these kinds of situations can consume all the oxygen in D.C. And I think. 
um, it, it's really a bad timing. You know, I don't know that the timing's ever good for impeachment, but uh, when you look at the issues in agriculture, this really couldn't have come at a worse time. And so, um, yeah, we, we just aren't hearing a whole lot uh, about where these important ag issues stand in, uh, in the scheme of things. But uh, I think, uh, you know, I think USMCA probably has the best chance of getting done out of all of this. And uh, I guess we'll just wait and see what happens. We shall see. All right, Todd, good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. All right, thank you, Mike. That's DTN reporter Todd Neely. Up next, Kevin Ross, first vice president of the National Corn Growers Association. We'll talk about the, the Japan deal, the RFS situation, and more. That's coming up next. Stay with us here on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. Happy to be joined now by the new CEO of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, Colin Woodall. Colin, thanks for joining us. Congratulations. Thank you, Mike. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to the challenge, and I appreciate you having me on this morning. Well, you're the new CEO, but you're not new to the beef industry or to NCBA. How many years now? Fifteen years with NCBA, and all of those were in the Washington, D.C. office. For the past ten, I have been the head of our operations in Washington, D.C., and, of course, that's been a great opportunity to work on all of the policy priorities of NCBA's membership. And now in this new role, I'll still have a hand in, in that entire operation as far as our policy and making sure we're delivering on behalf of our members, but also spend more time focused on recruiting for new membership uh, here at NCBA and also spending a lot of time on the work that we do as the largest contractor to the National Beef Checkoff. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. My mom's a breast cancer survivor. The United Breast Cancer Foundation saved her life. Their free breast cancer exam caught the cancer early, and it saved her life. But now the foundation needs your help so they can continue offering free or low-cost breast screening exams, saving more women's lives. Help them by donating your car, whether it's running or not. They'll provide fast, free 24-hour pickup, and you receive a charitable tax deduction, plus the great feeling you'll get knowing your donated car is going to help save more lives. Just call 800-745-3327 to set the wheels in motion. They take cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, running or not. 
Call 800-745-3327. The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help, and your donation could literally save women's lives, helping them catch breast cancer early like they did with my mom. Donate today, 800-745-3327, 800-745-3327. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, let's talk some issues with Kevin Ross, first vice president of the National Corn Growers Association. He'll become the president of NCGA next week. Kevin, good to talk with you. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, hey, thanks, Mike. Appreciate uh, appreciate the opportunity to be on the show again. Let's talk about some good news. The U.S.-Japan trade deal, what do you see in it for corn growers? Well, Japan, uh, you know, they're our second largest market for U.S. corn uh, you know, outside of the U.S. here. And so um, huge, hugely important to keep them uh, at the forefront of, you know, of our thoughts when it comes to trade. And uh, certainly, the, you know, this agreement moving forward is welcome news for corn, and it's definitely welcome news for our partners in the beef and pork industries. And um, that moves a lot of corn overseas through, uh, you know, through those products. So um, we're glad to see things moving forward, and certainly it should uh, hopefully help open up some doors and some other trade agreements, seeing this one getting done, too. Well, when you see a, this kind of this mini deal done in advance of what will hopefully be a bigger deal with Japan uh, next year, kind of wish they could take this uh, same path uh, with China, right? To do some ag, get an ag portion done, then move on to the other things. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of things we wish that uh, could be done with China, and, and, uh, and especially in regards to trade. But um, you know, really, this this type of an agreement moving forward uh, should should set the stage for other ones, not just China, but, uh, you know, hopefully a lot of the other ones that, that were um, involved in the TPP trade agreement that uh, that we backed out of a couple of years ago. And so hopefully um, this will definitely set the stage for the conversations with those countries and we can uh, move along in a, in a more expeditious manner with some of these agreements moving forward. Kevin, are you concerned that the uh, impeachment proceedings could uh, jeopardize getting USMCA passed this year? Uh, for sure, I think everybody, you know, should uh, should, you know, in one lens, look at this as as a huge delay um, and a distraction from, uh, you know, from what we need to get done. And you know, um, in in the other the other side of the lens is people are going to look at that and and uh, see what they want to see from their own political party. And that's um, really from my perspective on agriculture, though, and what I think most of us out here in the in rural America, look at in this thing is is the fact that yeah, it's going to cause a delay, uh, a lack of focus from what we need them to be working on, and, and in this case, uh, USMCA is such a huge deal; it just needs to get done, brought to the floor, and and uh, you know I'm going to ask a whole lot of farmers out there um, and, and people that uh, uh, that are in rural America to be making those calls um, as soon as this thing is brought up out to Congress. Make the call to your legislators and say, hey, um, USMCA is important to us. It's important to our products moving to, to Canada and Mexico, and we need to get it done and get it done quickly. So hopefully we can keep the pressure on, and, um, you know, we need the pressure up there to just make sure it gets brought up, too, because, th- like you say, this is this is a distraction, Mike, and we can't, um, you know, we can't take that lightly. We need them to focus on the, the issues at hand, and this is one that they can get moving on and, and uh, get it done. 
We're talking with Kevin Ross, first vice president of the National Corn Growers Association. Kevin, how frustrated are you, or maybe I should say concerned, that we still have not received an announcement from the White House on uh, the RFS and how they're going to handle biofuels policy? Well, again, Mike, you know, this seems like a, a broken record for as long as we've been talking about this. You know, we thought we had some things uh, set in place back in June. Um, we thought we had uh, some things, you know, in place again here uh, a month ago uh, again. And, um, you know, we're still waiting on this from the White House. Uh, I'm still very hopeful that uh, uh, that what I've heard, um, you know, is kind of out there um, – that they're that they're wanting to come out with a very good package for ethanol and for um, for biofuels in general, um, it, you know, to help us out there in the struggles that those industries face right now with ethanol and biodiesel. And hopefully, if if uh, it, it's frustrating, it's taken this long. But if the package is what um, you know what they think it, that what I what I'm told, then hopefully it's worth the wait, and we actually have a very good deal moving forward. And so. Um, again, it's frustrating, but uh, but definitely uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. That the White House has has finally gotten uh, you know gotten this issue to to where it needs to be, and and actually hopefully we can get these you know small refiner exemptions handled and and uh, accounted for. Yeah, we heard from Senator Grassley that he thought there was a deal, and what he saw looked pretty good. That something he could go along with, but yet then we didn't hear anything. We know they've. White House has had more meetings with the oil industry and uh, and folks uh, in support of the oil industry on this. So makes you wonder if that deal that uh, you're talking about has been changed. I sure hope not. Um, again, you know, our senators Grassley and Ernst, or at least my senators Grassley and Ernst, and other you know other uh, senators have, have weighed in on this heavily, and other congressmen and. And uh, I, I certainly don't think that uh, that the White House can ignore. Um, what's being said out here in rural America and what uh, you know, the concerns of the farmer as well as the folks in the, that work at these ethanol plants and, and biodiesel plants that have shut down. Um, and that includes all the other industries that they touch, Mike, and that's, that's the tough part. You've got a lot of, uh, a lot of trickle-down effect in the economies of rural America and certainly the economies of a lot of, a lot of states that, uh, that rely on these industries. And, and uh, it affects a lot of people and a lot of jobs. And so we need to get this thing back on track. We need the White House to uphold their end of the bargain and and uh, hopefully move things along here pretty quickly. Here again, the impeachment situation could impact it. Perhaps the president will feel the, an even stronger need to shore up his base in rural America with what's going on, we'll, and that could lead to getting uh, something done on this. We'll, we will see. Um, I want to talk to you about another issue. I know National Corn Grower has been very involved in this, and that's the whole climate issue. Uh, we know there's a big uh, movement now and a lot of discussion and debate over uh, climate issues and how agriculture might play into this. How do you see this playing out for agriculture and agriculture's role in this move? Well, I think, Mike, um, you know, a lot of us uh, in rural America have, have uh, heard a lot about the climate change discussion. In a lot of ways, we've, you know, either disengaged with it or, over the years or, um, or you know, just kind of uh, shrugged it off in a lot of cases, too. But I'll tell you, it's certainly at the point in a lot of um, uh, urban areas and the folks that, that I deal with in uh, on a broader macro scale for, for national corn and the corn industry, uh, climate change is, is something that they're all very concerned about. Uh, you see it in a lot of 
uh, the big companies and their investors on Wall Street and how they actually interact with uh, uh, their investors and what their investors want as far as climate change issues. Um, it's something that we can't ignore from agriculture, but what I, what I can tell you, Mike, is that it's also an opportunity for us because if you look at what, what we do in ag, um, and, and 99.9% of the people out here are, are uh, doing things that, uh, that really are going to be a carbon sink uh, or a carbon uh, um, capture type situation for, for what we do, and, and I think uh, farmers should be proud of what we do out here and certainly the, the practices that we have in place. And, um, I think our story is fantastic when it comes to the world of sustainability and, uh, and climate change, and I really think that, that agriculture in general uh, we shouldn't be afraid of this discussion at all. This is something that we need to embrace and also say, hey, this is how we are part of the solution. This is uh, the folks that view us as a problem, I think, are the ones that uh, are going to end up, you know, changing their mind. Because if you look at uh, you look at agriculture in general, we've got a great story to tell. And, and we're we're certainly going to be involved in this discussion one way or another. And hopefully agriculture has a seat at the table and, and agriculture's voice will be heard in this discussion. That's part of my job to make that happen, and um, you know I'm happy to do that, and, and uh, lucky to be in the position to, to speak on behalf of my friends and neighbors out there. Um, I can I can tell them all that uh, trust me when when I tell them that that we're going to be working on this hard, and make sure that uh, agriculture is not left behind in it, and that we're using this as an opportunity to move forward. Well, Kevin, uh, any harvesting going on around you in Iowa? There is a little bit of high moisture corn coming out um, and some early beans. We got, uh, uh, like I said, high moisture for the feedlots coming out. Just just starting on that. Uh, haven't seen any corn dry enough uh, other than that to, to get out yet. But um, yeah, some early beans that uh, some one one eights one nines around here uh, that have that have started to come out. Um, some good initial yields that uh, we've been hearing. Um, but I'll tell you, it's uh, we got a long ways to go, and, and uh, more moisture on the way. So the dry down uh, aspect for the near future isn't real good, and hasn't been real good for the last few weeks. Uh, uh, have seen some sunshine, but a lot of wet weather that's that's been rolling through here in the last in the last few weeks, and uh, more to come, I think. So um, harvest will get here. We all know it will, but uh, it's it's taking its sweet time. So keep that frost away for a little bit. Well, Kevin, thanks a lot for your time and. Uh... Wish you the best as you take over as president of uh, NCGA. Look forward to working with you uh, more in the future. Thank you. Hey, for sure, Mike. Thanks for having me on this morning. Take care. Kevin Ross uh, from Iowa, uh, wrapping up his year as first vice president, about to become next week uh, president of the National Corn Growers Association. Well, we've talked a lot about this U.S.-Japan trade deal and how it's really good news for the U.S. pork industry. We'll talk about that next with Maria Ziba, Director of International Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. Stay with us here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Bad theater seats, cheap Halloween masks, my apartment, all things with obstructed views. Add to these large trucks and buses. 18-wheelers and large buses have big blind spots, and like my apartment, they don't always have the best view. Bus and truck drivers deal with blind spots around the entire vehicle. Always take care not to ride alongside or too close behind them. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. 
There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Corn trade is lower an hour into the trading day and for the 11th straight day continues to consolidate within a 10 cent range. Soybeans continue Friday down a few cents. Another 257,000 metric tons of U.S. soybean sales were announced bought by China, bringing this week's total to 838,000 metric tons and total Chinese purchases of 1.558 million metric tons since September 13th. All three wheat markets are higher, fueled by French milling wheat futures, which have vaulted above the 50-day moving average for the first time since mid-July. A few deals have already been reported in cash cattle country this morning in parts of Texas at $103 per hundredweight, $2 higher than last week's weighted averages. Asking prices are around $104 to $105 in the south and $170 in the north. A light to moderate trade took place in parts of the north yesterday with dress bid deals marked at mostly $165 per hundredweight, $3 higher than last week's weighted average basis in Nebraska. On the Board of Trade, October lean hogs up 52 cents at 64.75, October feeders up 77 at 143.87, October live cattle up 90 cents at 103.85. For the grain and oilseed sector, November soybeans down two and three quarters of a cent at 885 and three quarters of a cent. December corn down a penny at 371 and three quarters of a cent. December Minneapolis spring wheat up two and a half cent at 551 and a quarter of a cent. Kansas City wheat December up two cents at 410 and a fraction of a cent. December Chicago wheat up five cents at 489 and a quarter of a cent. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it, or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell. Everything's changed at this time. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. 
Well, one of the bright spots, one of the few bright spots, really bright spots in the ag news this week has been the the announcement of the U.S.-Japan trade deal. And as we've talked about, it's especially good news for the U.S. pork industry. And to tell us about it is Maria Ziba, Director of International Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. Maria, thank you for joining us. Kind of break this down for us and why it is such good news for the U.S. pork industry. Well, thanks so much for having me on. Of course, we are very, very ecstatic to have this agreement with the Japanese. Um, we are last year in 2018, we exported 1.6 billion dollars of pork and pork products to Japan. And Dr. Dermot Hayes of Iowa State estimates that over the next 15 years, that's going to grow to 2.2 billion dollars. So that's a c- tremendous opportunity for our producers. So. And this is kind of phase one, right, towards a bigger deal. Is Will there be more, perhaps, in the bigger deal that it could also impact the U.S. pork producers? For right now, we got exactly what we wanted. This really levels the playing field for our producers. We're able to compete with the Europeans, with the Canadians, and the other countries that are part of that comprehensive and progressive TPP. So this is exactly what we wanted, and we're very happy and thankful to the administration uh, for delivering this to our producers. It starts, what, January 1, uh, when it officially kicks in? As long as the Japanese diet passes the agreement in the next few months, uh, it could kick in by January 1, but it really depends on when that Japanese diet or parliament takes a vote. Uh, we we don't foresee that there's going to be any obstacles for that implementation, but it really is is uh, it d- dependent on that parliament vote. So we wait on that. That is a key part of this. Um, but as you said, this this opens the door for the the always elusive level playing field in a key market for U.S. pork producers. Japan is our largest export market. Uh, in 2018, we exported $1.6 billion, and we want to see that growth that is estimated in that market, and this levels that playing field. Um, it reduces those tariffs and puts us on the exact same tariff schedule as our competitors, which is all very, very good news. Over the last few months, what we've seen in, is that um, those other competitors, the Europeans, Canadians, have been taking those contracts, and and we and because of the tariff disadvantage. So all we want right now is is to get this passed through the Japanese Parliament and make sure that we can compete. So that gives us, as we said, the level playing field uh, price wise. Is there a, a preference by the Japan in the Japan market? Uh, do consumers there have a preference for certain U.S. pork products? Well, traditionally, we have sold a lot of loins in the Japanese market as well as seasoned ground pork. And seasoned ground pork is something that we've faced a tremendous disadvantage in. Uh, We've been paying a 20% duty while our competitors pay a 13.3% duty. And unfortunately, there isn't another place where we can export seasoned ground pork. So we're excited. That's That's a really big win for us. Um, and we're excited to see this implemented. Does this get us where we would have been when it comes to uh, pork sales under the uh, TPP that we pulled out of? 
Well, this should level that playing field and get us back into that market um, where everybody's paying the same tariff line. You know, we've been very successful in that Japanese market due to how how good a quality we have, as well as marketing campaigns that we have on the ground. So for this, it's going to signify tremendous growth for us in the future. So this is a big win for the U.S. pork industry in Japan. Now I know uh, you're you're still waiting to see that that kind of a breakthrough with China. Yes, um, you know they're continuing to negotiate with the Chinese. Uh, there's a new round of of talks, and so I think we're we're very optimistic that we can have a resolution to this trade dispute. We've been paying a 72% duty into that market, while our competitors pay a 12% duty, um, and we would love to see that that level playing field in the Chinese market again. We know there's huge demand in in China, uh, and especially because of their African swine fever situation, a real shortage. Uh, we've heard about them tapping into reserves and things like that. Um, how big is that potential if that were to open up, or is that a lot of that being filled by other uh, by our competitors in other markets? Well, China is the biggest consumer of pork in the world and the biggest producer of pork in the world. Um, now that they've unfortunately been ravaged by African swine fever, that does create an opportunity for all those pork producers around the world. Unfortunately. Now that we're paying a 72% duty while everyone else pays a 12% duty, it does create some disadvantage for our producers, which is why we're very optimistic that we can see a resolution on these China talks soon. But we don't know unless they specifically, you know, are going to say we're going to buy so much U.S. uh, product. uh, Once once those, if the deal's done to level the playing field there, like we're talking about in Japan, that just gives us the opportunity to compete. Uh, do we know, we don't know for sure if it would go back to where it was before the trade uh, war started? Well, I can't speculate on what the numbers will look like in the future, but there is this unprecedented demand in China for protein. Um, and so I think that that, would probably create a a demand for our product once we're able to to get in there and level that playing field with our competitors. Um, but we have seen a slight uptick in our exports into China, so it's it's been um, we'll we'll have to wait and see how things progress over the next few months. Yeah, how what are we selling into there now? Oh, you caught me. I, I'd have to look at the export numbers, and um, but I can tell you that last year we exported um, over $851 million of pork and pork products. So um, I, I'd have to look at and see what, what things look like right now. Yeah, far, far less than that right now. We're talking with Maria Ziba, Director of International Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. And I know, Maria, you're also keeping a close watch on what's happening with USMCA. Yes, um, we definitely want to have a vote this year on USMCA. I think we're we're getting there, um, and there's been a lot of progress made on some of the demands from the from the Democratic side on changes to USMCA. I think we're making tremendous progress. The speaker has said that much, and she's even said that she would like to see a vote on this soon. So we are pushing our members of Congress 
to support USMCA. This really is going to return that certainty into that market. Um, over 40% of our exports go to Canada and Mexico, and, and we need to pass this agreement. Are there other markets that you are looking at? Uh, we've heard that the administration has been talking with a lot of different countries, uh, a lot of them in the TPP. Are there some other key markets out there that hold a lot of potential for U.S. pork? Um, we've been chatting with the Vietnamese. We would love to see our exports in, increase into Vietnam, also into Thailand, which has a de facto ban. But also we're looking within the Western Hemisphere at Jamaica. Um, Jamaica is another example of a country that's been taking advantage of the U.S.'s generosity. They are able to export a lot of their products into the United States without any duties. But for some reason, they won't accept our wonderful, high-quality pork, um, despite the fact that they'll buy the Canadian pork. So it's we're pushing on those Cana- um, those Jamaicans to open up that market access for U.S. pork. Hmm. There's a country we don't hear a lot about when it comes to U.S. pork, but you said is is a key one. And and unfortunately for them, uh, I mean more more countries are being impacted by African swine fever. That is going to be creating. Uh, a huge demand for pork. Exactly, and we're looking at those Southeast Asian countries um, like Vietnam, like the Philippines, um, Thailand, where we know that they're going to have a demand or have a demand for, for pork. They're big pork consumers, and we need to be able to provide them with that high-quality pork that we have. All right, Maria. So the good news, uh, this Japan deal has uh, long been sought. This, was, I mean, you're wanting these other deals done too, but this one's been right up there, right, uh, on the uh, high priority list for the U.S. pork industry. This is huge, and that's why we had pre- our president-elect, David Herring, uh, A.B. Roth, and our p- current president, David Herring, at the signing ceremony and personally met with President Trump and Ambassador Lighthizer and we were very excited to have them both um, representing our U.S. pork industry and, and talking to our, our, our officials on the need to open new markets and congratulating them on this huge win in Japan. Nice to have some good news to talk about, isn't it? Exactly. It's great. <laughs> Maria, thank you very much, and uh, we'll stay in touch as uh, we continue to watch these other trade deals. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a great day. Maria Ziba, Director of International Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council, talking about the good news of getting this uh, U.S.-Japan trade deal done and how it does uh, level the playing field, lowers those tariffs, uh, and allows us to compete on a, a level basis with our competitors for that very key Japanese market for pork. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk markets and harvest with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) 
it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency, so you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, in the state of Wisconsin, legislation has been proposed to stop the use of misleading labels on imitation milk and dairy products. And here to tell us about that is Tom Crave, president of the Dairy Business Association in Wisconsin and a farmer and cheesemaker in Wisconsin. Tom, thank you for joining us. Uh, tell us about the, this proposed legislation in Wisconsin. Well, it is being proposed that any product that is not truly milk or cheese be not be able to use the milk or cheese label. It's, we think it's very simple. Uh, words do matter. Milk is milk, cheese is cheese. And we're just trying to have transparency for the consumers to be able to make an informed decision when they are buying products. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. 
But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, we're talking over with Matt Bennett from agmarket.net. He's based in East Central Illinois. Matt, thanks for joining us. Any combines rolling around you? Yeah, we actually got in the field yesterday ourselves. Uh, we were able to get into some soybeans. They ended up testing anywhere from uh, 13 and a half to 14 and a half. So, uh, you know, they weren't uh, perfect, but uh, it's about where I like to cut them. So, and they, you know, they're decent beans. They're certainly well under last year. Uh, but for this year, given what they've been through, I thought they were fairly good. Yeah, what about corn? What kind of moisture there? You know, most guys are running moisture in that 20% up to 25. Uh, a lot of folks started last week trying to get some drying deals. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, uh, you're still looking at it and it carrying a fair amount of moisture, even with the April planted. So we were going to try to maybe nose out into some corn here in the next two or three days. Uh, but, you know, that's going to be planted uh, more towards the middle of May, and I don't know that we're going to be, uh, you know, in the low 20s even. So uh, we were just going to try to get started and uh, get the pump primed a little bit. I know here in west-central Illinois, I've talked to some farmers. I'm hearing moisture levels running anywhere from 17 to, to the mid-20s, um, and yields kind of all over the place as we expected. Uh, uh, some surprisingly good, but others then uh, you get uh, – not too far away, and they drop off quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the thing is uh, that the, the we've heard producers tell us is that, you know, they'll get into an area of the field that'll be pretty darn good, you know, and then, uh, you know, you go, uh, you know, uh, the variability is just extraordinary this year. Uh, you know, obviously, we've, we've got drowned out areas, so there's going to be some zero, zeros out there. Everybody knows that. But the problem is, uh, with the volume of rain we had this spring, you know, the areas around those areas where you've got zeros were severely uh, uh, damaged as well. So, you know, I think that there's some good corn out there. Uh, the thing is, people say, well, on my child ground, you know, I thought it was going to be a heck of a lot better, and then we found out it wasn't. Well, the problem was, you know, a couple, three, five, six-inch rains, and the, the tile system just can't keep up. So I think the variability is going to be unprecedented this year. So what are the markets focus on right now? That's a good question. You know, the thing for me is that uh, the markets are going to, you know, certainly it seems like we're kind of going into this report on Monday a little bit uh, kind of blasé, you know, no big uh, a big deal maybe for some folks, but uh, you've seen quarterly stocks reports as well as I have that uh, really shocked the market. So it'll be very interesting to see if there's any uh, interesting tidbits in there for us. I think for soybeans, 
I don't think uh, anybody expects there to be a whole lot of adjustments. I think, you know, uh, exports were pretty good in the fourth quarter last year. So probably going to see a mild revision lower, but we're still looking at the largest carryout we've ever seen printed uh, for final stocks. On corn, there's a lot of range of uh, guesses. You know, I personally felt like uh, the USDA uh, messed up uh, in, in March with quarterly stocks. Uh, because of the kind of winter that we had in the livestock numbers, I felt like uh, that finding a couple hundred and fifty million bushel was probably not something I was expecting or anyone else was expecting. And so you know, I think they tried to adjust that a little bit uh, there in the middle of the summer on quarterly stocks. But uh, it remains to be seen what they'll do here because we have to keep in mind that whereas soybeans uh, exports were a pleasant surprise in the fourth quarter, corn wasn't. And so, you know, uh, I don't think we can expect any huge revision lower, but I'm certainly looking for maybe a small revision, uh, maybe 100, uh, 100 million or a little bit more uh, revision lower as far as quarterly stocks go, or the any stocks go for corn. It is interesting, as you point out, there's not much uh, fanfare about this report coming out. No, it's kind of quiet, really, and I, and I think that that's one thing that people uh, – must understand is that, uh, you know, sometimes when you go into a report like that, you can get a pretty big surprise. But, you know, I don't think that you've got everyone leaning one way like we saw, you know, the last two USDA reports. Uh, so maybe that will mitigate uh, some sort of a surprise, if you will, especially if it's a bearish surprise. Uh, most people feel like we've got the low end for the time being, uh, you know, in this corn market. And so hopefully that's going to be the case. Obviously, everyone's looking towards this October crop report. Are we going to see a, a revision lower? Because we have to keep in mind that the revision lower from August to September typically is viewed as something that's going to continue to happen. But this year, of course, they weren't in the field in August. So I think this September to October uh, revision is going to have to be uh, even closer watched than you know what you saw from August to September because really the September report this year was the old August report. So if you do see a revision lower in yield, I think that's something you can expect to happen because uh, a small crop or smaller crop typically continues to get smaller. Yeah, this year's so different. Uh, normally, by the time we get the October report, we have a pretty good handle on what's uh, uh, what's out there, and you know, there's quite a bit of harvesting having been done. Come this October report, uh, it, we're just barely getting started still. Yeah, absolutely, we are just barely getting started, and so. Uh, you know, uh, the thing is, I think that most of your anecdotal yield reports so far have been, I think, a little bit disappointing uh, for folks. The people that we've talked to have been, uh, you know, significantly below a year ago, especially here in Illinois. Now, in your part of the world, I think that there's better corn up the, up into Springfield and on over to Bloomington. But you get outside of that area, which has, I think, been kind of the honey hole all year, uh, you're looking at uh, a different story. And so guys, even in our part of the world over here, you know, that are picking 200 bushel corn, you know, it's 50, 60 bushel below a year ago. So uh, we have to keep in mind how good we were a year ago. But when you start talking about year-on-year changes like that, it's certain to uh, translate into some yield adjustments at some point. That's a good point. You compare it to last year, but last year for many was such a good year. And, and yeah, I think there's some there's some pretty good yields, uh, I, know, I think, around me. But I know uh, a lot of times farmers don't want to talk about them because they're afraid it'll drive the market down even more. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's one thing people, you know, last night I, I tweeted that, you know, we were getting started with harvest. I had a picture uh, 
you know, everybody wanted to know what my beanials were, but I said, you know, I'm not going to talk about beanials. Now, I will say on your show that, you know, obviously the beanials were not uh, extravagantly high by any stretch of the imagination. We averaged right at 80 bushel beans on our farm last year. And, uh, you know, if we can average this year 20 below that, I'm going to probably be pretty happy. And so uh, that just kind of gives you an idea. But uh, bottom line is we don't have anything like we had a year ago, but I think we're going to have decent crops. All right, Matt, good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. Hey, thanks for having me. Take care. Have a safe harvest. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. That wraps it up for today and for the week. Another busy week ahead next week. We'll wrap up September, get into October. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA. Have a great weekend, everyone. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section and after Dad's back injury. They helped when you were in pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Trouble with opioids can start at home with unused medicines, such as pills, patches, and syrups. You can remove the risk and protect your family. Find out how at www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Hi, I'm George Foreman. Do you have an idea for a new product or invention? People ask me all the time, George, how do I get my idea in front of companies? How do I get a patent? What do I do next? Do you have the same questions? I'll tell you like I'll tell them all. Call my friends at InventHelp. To get your free inventor's information, call 1-800-352-0432. That's 1-800-352-0432. I believe every inventor deserves the opportunity to step into the ring and take their best shot. Put InventHelp in your corner. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready, and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612.